This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Monday, May the 13th, I'm your host, D.A., and it was the shot heard around the world. Kawhi Leonard drills the game winner as the clock expires on four bounces and elevates the Toronto Raptors into the Eastern Conference Finals. What a moment. What a shot. What a player. Toronto moves on, and the Sixers are now left only to pick up the pieces, sift through the rubble, and think about what could have been. We begin in Philly, where they're licking their wounds and asking questions about whether the Sixers screwed themselves with the last three possessions. Here's our friend Angelo Cataldi on WIP, the morning show in Philly. Twenty. All of a sudden, twenty-four seconds became not enough time to run a play. I've wow. never seen anything like it in my I don't life. Understand? Yeah. And, is, and, it, and, is it and, a brain lock? What? I, That's look, where they lost the game. It's Andy Reid esque. Is what it is. It huh? is. It's clock. Uh, it's clock mismanagement. Yeah, but the, but the coach is not on the. I mean, you got to know. Oh, hold on, Al. They had three times when every call by the yeah. guys that are doing the game, they're begging Embiid to yeah. go down but low. But he doesn't. That is, uh, it doesn't Why? matter if he well, does it or not. Your coach has there. to put you down coach. there. Good He's luck. a young put guy. He's crying after the game. Oh, my God. It, right. it, it's anyway, an amazing thing when you look anyway. at it. I mean, those three, as much as the last shot, will remain in infamy in the rest of our lives. It's those three those possessions. Those three possessions, uh, those will also, if that is the legacy of Brett Brown, he'll always be remembered as an awful strategist with those three possessions. You did nothing with them with the entire season yeah. on the line. And then after it was over, <laughs> we got to hear from Brett Brown because his job's at stake here. And here's, first of all, what he said about those possessions. Two for sure. Three, if I remember correctly, that you know you needed to get a shot. And 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 I, I give Toronto credit. They they were they were switching a lot. They were able to keep uh, us in front of them. That's Jonesy. unreal, isn't it? Jonesy. That's amazing when you listen to him talk Jonesy. about it too. Yeah. You can get one wrong after yeah. the timeout. Yeah. You can't get two three. and you can't get three. All right. And I mean, he nothing. said we needed to get a shot off. But you needed you, to have a play. You can't give <laughs> Toronto credit. No. That's that's the team yeah. that you are designing plays against to beat. You yeah. played them for seven games. Right. You need to find a hole that will allow your team to score a basket when they need to. Right. It's like, that's on him. Or yeah. get a shot I off. agree that's with it. you. 100% with you, Josie. It's on him. When you give the other team credit, you're saying they outcoached you. That's it. 
You're saying 100%, they When they had four seconds ago, did they design a play for Kawhi? Yes, they did. They did they execute yes, that play? Yes, they did. And did they, did they win the game because of that play and that execution? Yes, a rookie head coach won the game for his team. Now, granted, if it's Kawhi, that makes it easier. You can't, even, phenomenal. You can't bring up Kawhi's name to yeah, me yeah. when Brett Brown was here to recruit him and couldn't <laughs> get him here. He's not I mean, going to let that ever go. let no. that go. He's not going to let that go. He's the guy. Now you saw is. why we wanted right. him here. Now I do not. None of us at this point knows the fate of Brett Brown, hmm. but he did have an opportunity to look back at how the night unfolded and take some responsibility. He was asked, "Would he change anything if he had to do it again?" As I sit here, I don't think so. You know, it's I really don't. This poor guy. Go watch the first quarter. You want to see some horrible basketball? I mean, that was the worst I quarter I've ever that seen. that was two teams that were a little state Oh, my God. They were like, that was oh, they were like the pressure was getting I thought the that Sixers point. were going to win because yeah. they that, were totally out. two teams looked, that weren't ready to, they're not ready to win yet. fight in their own building. They're not ready to win either team. That's what, it, that's what that is. But when all is said and done, A, I'll stop blaming people. See, I'm not going to just sit here and go, it was a great run. Thank you for the entertainment. That's not no. the way I roll as a fan you don't think of this they have town. nothing to be ashamed of? I'm hoping. I think they have three possessions to be mortified by. Mortified by. If they're not ashamed by the way they ran that offense in the final three minutes, then they don't know shame. No. They don't know yeah. it. What happened last night in the final play is NBA history. In the history of Game 7s in that league, no team has ever won or lost hmm. on a buzzer beat. 135 games. 135 games. It's the first time a Game 7 ended that way. Brutal sets coming out of timeouts and offensive possessions for Philadelphia late in that game. I don't know if I would blame the series, though, on Brett Brown. I think of the NBA so much is built around the simple talent that you have. And Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons simply were not consistent enough throughout this series. And they're immature. They're young. Perhaps one day they'll get it. But when Jimmy Butler is the only consistent force that you have, and yet you have two of the most talented young players in all of the NBA and Embiid and Simmons, that's an issue. And either Brett Brown couldn't get enough out of them or those two players weren't self-motivated, focused, or ready enough for the moment. But that was Kawhi Leonard at his best. And on almost every game, when he averaged 35 points per game for the series, against a couple of guys that weren't at their best every night. And that was the difference. In Houston, another city that's wondering what could have been. Game 6 was in Houston as the... Warriors came in without Kevin Durant, and yet Houston loses a game they simply could not afford to lose. Here's the guys on Mad Radio and Sports Radio 610 in Houston. They couldn't lose that game. That's what I keep coming back to, having 48 hours or so to think they about did, it. They did, Mike. They did. They did. Yeah. What I just think about the whole situation, you know, you could make an argument that if they had won game six and lost yesterday, lost game seven, that it would have been bad but you could have like lived with it. You could have justified it in some way. That Then you would look back and you would say, you know what, they had to win game five because the turnover from game six to game seven was too tight. The Oracle crowd was unbelievable, hypothetically. And at least you can sort of justify it to yourself. 
they couldn't lose game six. They, you could not lose game six at home to that team given the situation with the best basketball player in the world not playing the series. And the fact that the Rockets did leaves a massive stain on the organization and on Mike D'Antoni, on James Harden, and Chris Paul. And now they have to dig out from the wreckage, and I don't know if they will be able to do that. But that is a that is a loss that you could not have happened. They could not lose game six to that team without Durant, and they did. Isn't it still a really good basketball team without Durant? I don't think they're as yeah. good as I like. I'm not going to do one of those things and say they're better without Durant, but aren't they still a really good basketball team? If Durant didn't come back, would you still not favor them to win the championship? They're still a really good team, but it's more the context. It's for the last year we said, hey, if they had Chris Paul, they would have won the Western Conference Finals last year. Not me, but almost everybody. And now the fact that you had Chris Paul and they didn't have Kevin Durant and they still lost and didn't even push them to seven is what makes it even even worse. I feel sick to my stomach about the loss today, and I felt that way about the loss on Saturday morning. You mentioned Chris Paul. Chris Paul, you didn't have Chris Paul of last year until game six, and that is inexcusable. That That is my biggest frustration. I thought, as we watched this series, Chris Paul's not that Chris Paul anymore. And then we saw game six. He was really good in game six. Where the hell was that? Where was that? Where was that? Where was it the rest of the series? I mean, he had at some point to take over that load that James Harden could not do all by himself for the entirety of a seven-game series. And that's something that we also have to accept going forward with James Harden, if you haven't already accepted it, that James Harden just can't carry a team by himself because for whatever reason, the last couple of minutes of a game, especially as we get to the second round, the third round of the playoffs, he just runs out of gas. Well, and that's where, whether it's running out of gas or whatever it is, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired I'm tired of smart basketball people making excuses for him being mediocre down the stretch. Like, like, how can you have an impassioned plea for how, well, yeah, but it wasn't awful, though. He was making smart decisions. Like, you can't ask for him to be the MVP, but then also ask for or accept mediocrity in the fourth quarter of these games. That's the biggest part of it is exactly what – like, am I expected to sit here and give a damn about the MVP race next year? I can't do that. I don't have that in me. Do I? Am I – is that what – is this what – No, we're, we're past that Are point. these my expectations in game five? Well, hey, look, you need smart basketball decisions. Oh, oh, of course. Of course. I forgot that's what it all is about. Oh, I don't – excuse me for wanting greatness – Excuse me for expecting something above and beyond as you try to win a championship. Oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't realize that awesome regular season performance followed up by smart basketball decisions while also maybe taking a few possessions off in the fourth quarter of game five was just fine. Like that's no big deal because those are the standards apparently. Like no, you have to, you can't demand that people recognize him as the MVP and then also act like it's okay to settle. That's the biggest problem there. Uh, Chris Paul, I don't know what to say about Chris Paul moving forward other than that I don't, like, I don't doubt his metal or anything. I don't, I'm worried that he was just banged up and his elbow was bothering him or something for the first five games of the series, and that's why his shot was so horrid. Because it wasn't like his shot was just a little bit off. His shot was horrid. Yep. So that makes me nervous because he's old. And uh, what this is two straight years in a row that potentially it was his health or age that was affecting him in the in the final series, and and I don't know what to do about that moving forward. They're right. This is the type of loss that haunts a franchise forever. As great as James Harden is, as great as Chris Paul can be, as wonderful of a regular season as the Rockets had after their slow start, once again it ends in familiar fashion, unable to get over the hump against the Golden State Warriors. 
And now this is four times in five years, and they are defined by this. They are defined by an obsession of getting over the Warriors and being unable to do so and to lose that game at home. At home, when Steph had zero points at halftime, they'll never forget it. That's a scar that lasts forever. So now Golden State moves on, and the Blazers will be the team that faces them in the Western Conference Finals for a spot in the NBA Finals. So let's go to Portland as the Blazers have a huge Game 7 road victory in Denver to put them there for the first time since 2000. Here's Dusty and Cam in the morning on 1080 The Fan in Portland talking about the Blazers as a team of destiny. This team has got a little bit of a that team of destiny feel to it and jason quick of the athletic he wrote a he wrote a piece about kind of all of the things that have kind of fallen in line for portland and that team of destiny feel whether it was three days before the season starts and paul allen passes away um to yusuf nurkic goes down cj mccollum goes down at the end of the regular season and they have to kind of fight and battle their way back there at every turn there's kind of been a knock against this blazers team and this season hasn't been just about overcoming those adversities but changing the story for a lot of guys in a lot of different roles with the blazers organization be it you know guys like zach collins and evan turner uh, coming off of the bench and really giving a spark to this team. Rodney Hood making a change in his entire perception of his career, not being a clutch guy in big situations like he got benched last year when he was in Cleveland during the playoffs. It's kind of been a, a narrative-changing season for the Portland Trailblazers this year. And you go on the road and you get that win and you see just how hard it is to win on the road with what the 76ers went through in the game immediately following Portland. It's a tough thing to do is to win on the road into Game 7, and Portland pulled it off. Yeah, it goes without saying. I mean, shout-outs to the leaders of this franchise. And it starts with A, number one, Damian Lillard, as the leader, Terry Stotts. And, again, I'm going to be fair with this one and what Neil O'Shea has done also. So in that three, with that company, it is Dame and what he was able to do and that leadership and making. Because it, you, you can put a ton of guys on the court. It doesn't matter what type of guys you put together. It's how they come together. Mm-hmm. It's how they battle. It's how they believe in each other in that moment. And and I, I know this will be one of those thoughts, too, just throughout the day, but I wanted to go with it. This, for what, for me to think about what Ennis Kander was able to do and not drink any water, not do anything during an entire game in the middle of the day because of his religious beliefs, which is, I can't even put that into words, how, that, how you can compete and not do that and still have time to immediately run off the court and troll immediately to Twitter. It was great. Shout out to Ennis Cantor and thank you for picking the Portland Trailblazers after whatever that was debacle at the New York Knicks and thank you for being a part of this. They just call I that think about playoffs, my nipples get hurt. They just call that being the Knicks. Whatever, you, that whatever it is. is he did not drink Knicks. any water. He played during the during the game. That's anywhere. remarkable. Well, he played 39 minutes at 5,239 feet elevation. It's incredible. And did not take a sip of water. I mean, just physically. That's I don't even I I I, I mean uh, you, cotton mouth. Anybody? Yeah. Well, the the, the first thing that I went to is can I suck on a Jerry Tartanian towel? Is there anything I can have any moisture? Can he do the boxer thing where he squirts it in his mouth and then spits I, I, it out? I, I don't know. Because I like. Did he get an IV? I don't. I don't think so. No. I think you know the most impressive part about health, it. I mean, I mean, it's not just impressive. It's scary. Physically the, scary. Yeah, right. The thirty-nine minutes is one thing it, to do that at like sea level. 
taking it to elevation where your body gets worn out a little bit more and your mouth gets maybe a little bit more dry. That that's the impressive part. Like he was he's a freak of nature, man. And although his numbers weren't as great as they were to start the series, he was a he played a pivotal role in the Blazers clinching that game seven on the road. How amazing that was to to watch him go out there and do that. That's a great point there because I don't think anybody, not too many people, the main talking point will be Ennis Cantor playing 39 minutes without taking a sip of water during the entire thing. The best thing you could say about the Blazers was that they didn't need a monster game from Damian Lillard to win a road game seven, which is really impressive. Because this Blazers team hasn't been in that spot before. And yet, Dame goes 3-17 of 17 and they still find a way to win. Led by an impeccable performance from C.J. McCollum. 37 points and the enormous block late in the fourth quarter. Just a virtuoso game for C.J. McCollum. And a huge step forward for a franchise that's been seeking national relevance. And getting back on top and being a contender for the first time in nearly 20 years what a moment, what a day, and what a Game 7 for that city and that organization. And as great as the on-the-court stuff has been for the NBA playoffs, how about the off-the-court stuff? This morning, breaking news catching everybody off guard that Michigan head coach John Beeline will take over the Cleveland Cavaliers' job. Why? Why now? Why would Beeline take over a gig that... Right now is a cover that's pretty bare, unless they get Zion Williamson with a number one pick. Here's Yahoo Sports college basketball insider Dan Wetzel, who joined 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland on the Cavs' new man. How big of a stunner is this for you? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I didn't think he was going to get this job, but he's definitely been on the NBA radar the last few years, and talking to John Beeline, there was always an interest in trying to coach at the highest level. Just a coach's coach, just a guy who loves basketball, taught one every single step of the way. And so it sort of was like a normal progression, like, well, why aren't I trying the NBA? So I'm not stunned that he left Michigan for the NBA, and it makes way more sense now when you think about it. And, and I know Dan Gilbert's a big Michigan State guy, but um, – you know, game recognizes game there. So I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I wasn't expecting it this morning, but I'm not totally stunned that he would try this or that the Cavs would look and say, look, we got this young developing roster. I, you know, this might be the perfect guy to try to get us to a certain level. I don't know that he can step out of the college ranks and take you to an NBA championship. I don't think that's where he's at right now because the games are different. But in terms of figuring out how to maximize talent, develop players, I don't know you can get a better guy from the, from the college ranks. Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports, joining us on the hotline. Dan, you mentioned about relating to young players. I'm curious, how do you think, though, a 66-year-old uh, John Beeline will be able to relate to NBA veterans? You know, Larry Brown told me once, you, you – you went over a, a locker room in the first day of practice when you walk out in the court and you either show them you know what you're doing or you don't. And, and he had an interesting thing because it used to be you had to get a former – remember all the coaches used to be former players that could relate to the players. And 
I remember I had a really good point. He goes, think of your own boss in whatever business you are. Do you care if that person is just like you? Or do you just want someone who will put you in the right position to succeed, that believes in you, that gets the most out of you? doesn't matter. And, and almost everyone will say, yeah, I just want the best person. I don't care if it's an old guy. I don't care if it's a young woman. I don't care what race. I don't care. what. I don't care. I just want to maximize what I'm doing at work. And it's the competency of the coach that wins over the players. They will always believe in you if you put them in the right spot. So John Beeline will <laughs> – well, not out cool anybody. He's not a cool guy. He's a, he's grandpa, and he's but he's extremely competent. I expect that in the first day of practice, he's going to walk out there, and the players are going to say, "Oh yeah, here's a guy that knows what he's doing," even though he's coming from the college ranks. I see what he's trying to what what trail he's trying to put me on, and as long as that's the case, I think he'll be fine. I don't think age and and all those types of things really matter in the end. Those can be superficial relationships. But his players always love him. The fate of the Cavaliers franchise, uh, I say, is going to be decided tomorrow night with the bounces of the ping-pong balls. Should the Cavs have waited? Should John have waited to take this job <laughs> to see what combination comes up? I mean, if you get Zion, obviously the, the world changes. If you get the second or the third pick, okay, RJ or Morant, you, you can do something with that. But if you end up in slots four <laughs> to six, I, I mean, Dan, come on. It, it, we're having a different conversation here. So what do you think? Should the Cavs have waited? Should John have waited here? Uh, so who knows? Yeah, this could, go, this could go spectacularly well or this could go really bad either way. But, again, I just think if you're the Cavs, uh, barring getting Zion – I just think you're looking at the next few years and saying, even if we don't win a championship, which we're just not built to win a championship, and someone else has to come in, our guys are going to be better because they spent these few years with a developmental coach like John Beeline. Like I, I almost think, like even if two, you know, two years from now they fire him and he only won whatever fifty combined games or something like that you're still going to sit there and say he didn't hinder Colin Sexton's development. He didn't hinder our guys. He made them better. We just didn't win games. So I kind of look at this as sort of a low-risk deal for the Cavs and just to get a guy with a track record like this. Well, at least part of this has to be about the money as Beeline's going to earn a nice, healthy paycheck by heading over the NBA. But you also have to wonder how much of this is a criticism of the college basketball game. I think... John Beeline must be pretty frustrated with the way the college basketball has gone down. You've got multiple programs that have pretty good evidence that their coaches have been paying for players, and now the FBI is digging all around, and the NCAA basically can't be bothered. And you've got to wonder if a guy like John Beeline, who's never even had a whiff of scandal, is saying, this is ridiculous. What am I banging my head against the wall for? If corrupt and cheating programs are going to get away with a murder, why am I going to try to compete and do it the quote-unquote right way if I've got options elsewhere? So I wonder if Beeline just wasn't totally sick and tired of the ridiculousness surrounding college hoops. But those in Michigan around the Wolverines program left in shock and awe. Here's the reaction on WXYT 97.1, the ticket in Detroit with Jamie and Stoney. Dan Gilbert, Mr. Spartan, has killed the Wolverines basketball program uh, for the time <laughs> being. That was the first thing that came to my mind before the original shock. Uh-huh. I mean, he look, 
he was mentioned for the piston job, as you know, last year. Yes. And he just decided, or the Pistons decided that they would, they didn't want him. There was never a formal offer. Obviously there was interest. I think John Beeline sees that the way the NBA is going is more in tune with the way he coaches than it was ever before. So if he's ever going to do it, even at age 66, this is the time to do it. John Beeline just always strikes me as a college coach. I know. And, And that's because he's been a college coach his entire life. That's where he's, um, He's won everywhere he's been. He's won. And, uh, you know, we talked to him a few times in the aftermath of the plane episode a couple of years ago and what that meant to him personally and what that kind of, I don't know, it just, it, it seemed to uh, almost unearth a whole new side of John Beeline. And it made me feel like he was just going to be this guy who just was going to play out his career at Michigan. They'd name buildings after him. They'd build a statue to him. And, you know, he just seems so much part of Michigan. I mean, he's a guy who was part of the search process for head football coaches, part of the academic or athletic uh, board, whatever. And and as respected a guy as there is in college basketball, not as winning a guy, but as respected a guy. When people talk about winning, doing it the right way, he was in a lot of ways the perfect coach for Michigan. And then he went ahead and won. You know what I mean? Like he was a, he was a good coach. Oh, you know, Michigan basketball. And then starting in 2013, they've gone on this run where they've been this postseason threat each and every year, it seems, except for the one year. And they've turned out these players who've turned into really good NBA players. And I'm, I'm stunned. I, I, I hope he's happy. I hope he's paid a great deal of money and I hope this gives him his family financial security for the rest of time. I think he's making a mistake personally, but you know, who am I to tell him that? I'm trying to figure out why, besides just the challenge of the NBA and maybe the money. I mean, I'm sure he's getting paid handsomely at at the University of Michigan. Maybe the final straw was seeing, you know, Poole and Brisdakis leave. He figures that these guys are all gone the NBA anyway. I'm just trying to figure out if there's any other reason why he would go. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. The football team gets to go to all these exotic places. The basketball team doesn't. Maybe he feels... But he knew that going. Well, he wanted to go to he, South Africa. I mean, he, he's going he, to Cleveland. He, he, he knows it's more of a football school than I'm, I mean. Yeah. I'm just. I'm trying. You know, they did go to Spain last year. True, I know. They. I mean, just things are just racing through my head about why and Brad, why you, Cleveland. You, at least, at least, if he's Cleveland, wait to see what happens tomorrow night in the lottery. If Cleveland gets Zion, okay. <laughs> well, and the other thing I was thinking too is 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 if he really wanted to coach in the NBA, wait till the the you know the the thing really starts going. I mean. Why not the Rockets? The Rockets could be looking for a head coach. The 76ers could yes. be looking for a head coach. Um, the Lakers were clearly looking for a head coach. Now, that job, you're hired to be fired. But really, most NBA jobs, yes. you are hired to be fired. Greg, you cover Michigan basketball. You're as, as close to the program as anybody I know. What, what's your reaction? As my, a, you're a Michigan fan, too, I will admit. My reaction is simply, this sucks. I mean, this is terrible. I mean, you kind of hinted at it, Jamie. Like, John Beeline seemed content, seemed happy. He seemed like he wanted to be at Michigan. He seemed like a lifer at Michigan. And what this news feels like, this news feels like Michigan basketball died today. I think the thing that really catches you off guard is that the Cavaliers job isn't considered a great job. They have a young player in Colin Sexton, but obviously no LeBron and no Kyrie Irving, an injury-prone Kevin Love who basically missed the entire season this year, and the hope crossing your fingers of Zion with that number one pick or the number two or number three pick turning into a stud. But outside of that, the cupboard is pretty bare after those teams that went to the championship, went to the NBA Finals four straight seasons. 
So for John Beeline to jump back into the conversation in the NBA and not having a guaranteed young star on the roster is pretty surprising if he did have options that this would be the one that he would come back for. But we know the connection between the state of Michigan and the owner of the Cavaliers, Dan Gilbert. And so perhaps that went a long way, plus connections that Beeline had in the front office as well at GM and assistant GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So finally, more coaching news. The Lakers have their man, and it wasn't Monty Williams, and it wasn't Ty Lue. It ended up being Frank Vogel. The Lakers also got their wish by having Jason Kidd placed on staff. Is this whole thing destined to fail? Here's the guys, Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. The Lakers named Frank Vogel, head coach assisted by Jason Kidd. Man. What a disaster. This is a nightmare for Frank Vogel. They got him to take three years when Ty Lue said, uh, no, the standard deal is five. Luke Walton just got fired and got five in Sacramento. Yep. You're going to give me five, uh, and you have Jason Kidd sharpening the knives already. Look, uh, the Lakers do not want to win. They don't want to succeed. They want to be a sideshow. I like the hire of Frank Vogel. I like the hire of Jason Kidd. I hate the hires together. Yes. The hires together don't make any sense. Hire Frank Vogel, hire Jason Kidd, but you don't want them both. Yeah. Jason Kidd does not want to be running a layup line uh, at 5 o'clock before a game. He doesn't want to be sitting there looking at the clock saying, oh, you got to sub in at this time. Uh, uh, guys, uh, we're keeping track of timeouts and fouls here. Jason Kidd doesn't want to hold a clipboard. That's not what Jason Kidd does. Man, what a bad post Playing career reputation for Jason Kidd. Yeah. Milwaukee takes the next step as soon as he leaves. Uh, Rumors about him backstabbing, difficult to get along with. Yeah. Bad, bad reputation for for the former Mavs. Now, granted, Milwaukee hired who? Bodenholzer? Yeah. That's a good quality coach. But he took the Hawks to a really good season. Yes. So, I mean, he's a good, good coach. But the the look that Jason Kidd has on him, on his career, post-career, is awful. There's no way this works. No way. Jason Kidd is definitely going to be taking over that franchise. Hell, it might even happen by the time the trade deadline comes around or the All-Star break. Because with LeBron's clock ticking, you know that the Lakers organization is not going to have patience with Frank Vogel. And LeBron might immediately start gravitating to a guy that he used to play with on the Dream Team or one of the Olympic teams and Jason Kidd that's now on the staff. And, of course, Vogel's always going to be looking over his shoulder. The whole thing is stupid. It's classic Lakers. And right now, let's face it, the Lakers are just the Knicks with better weather. That'll do it for your best in sports talk around the dial. I don't know how we top today's show tomorrow, but in the world of the NBA, every day is a potential headline. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 